Hi, this is Diane and Langdon, the show where we analyze various forms of media, beginning with Full Metal Alchemist, the 2003 anime adaptation. I am Diane. I am an archaeologist in D.C. And I'm Langdon. I'm a comedian in D.C. Um, And... Boy, we have a we have a doozy of an episode for you today. Um, probably my least favorite one so far. What do you think, Langdon? Really, I don't think so. Um, I, it's it's so weird to me because I feel like this is both the best episode they've done so right. far and the worst. Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> looking at it critically, it's hard to say that it's like a good episode. But it, but like I enjoy it. But it's it. the best job they've done so yeah, far. It's, it's, it's like it's the most fun I've had so far. Yeah, it's I feel better like this than, is where they put in the most effort. Yeah, it's better than most of the other episodes. Oh um, dear. Uh, but so far in the story, just as a quick recap, we know that Edward and Alphonse Elric are brothers. They are yes. alchemists. Um, mm-hmm. Edward lost his arm and his leg, and Alphonse lost his entire body and became just a soul bound to a suit of armor when they were young, and they attempted a human transmutation to bring their mother back to life. This is what resulted in the losing of the arm and leg yes. and the entire corporeal form. Right. Um, human transmutation is illegal in Amestris, yeah. the country they live in, uh, so... The fact that they attempted it, it's a secret that they know. Their mm-hmm. friend Winry Rockbell knows it. Um, uh, um, Lieutenant a a what Lieutenant he? Colonel Roy Mustang, yes. who is a, he's a Lieutenant Colonel in the Amestrian Army. Um, and maybe, he knows. And maybe, maybe Mustang's adjutant, yeah. uh, Reza Hawkeye. Sometimes people learn about it just through their adventures because mm-hmm. they're, it's hard to be around them and not find out about it. Right, right, right. Um, but... More recently in the show, Edward became a state alchemist, which gives him access to money and resources and research that will help them on their quest to get their original bodies back. Um, and we just finished a very tragic episode, uh, which revolved around another state alchemist named Sho Tucker, who made a chimera out of his daughter and his dog, Nina, mm-hmm. uh, his daughter, Nina, and their dog, Alexander. Um, and the chimera was actually killed and found by the boys. Yeah. Uh, and she, he, uh, she was killed by a man named Scar. But we know that. They don't know that. Yes, all they know uh, is that they have found her in an alleyway. She looks like she has been microwaved and splattered against the bricks at the end yeah. of this alley. Um, and show Tucker, who made the chimera, he was taken to jail. Yeah. Uh, Roy Mustang and his friend Maze Hughes are hunting a serial killer in Central, kind of alongside of this. And one more thing, guys. Yeah. We are in a flashback. Yeah. This flashback began when we were two episodes in. And this is now... Three episodes in. Well, three episodes in, yes. After two episodes, this flashback began. It is now the eighth episode in flashback, which means that we have officially been in flashback three times as long as we have been with them in the present. The sixth episode in flashback. The eighth episode overall. Oh, thank you, Langan, yes. for that correction. Yes. Oh. But but it's been a long time. It's hard to even... I don't even remember what's happening in the, in the present. Uh, they went to Lior and they busted up a cult. Right. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know, but... My point more so is, like, how is this related to that? I don't know. Um, and that's what I'm hoping that we're going to get from this flashback. Because I really want them to answer questions about why we're in a flashback. They have to, right? They, they absolutely they're, do. they're wasting our time. Absolutely. So we know in Maj Hall's episode we saw Lust, who is a central prota- or a central antagonist yeah. Yeah. Um, from the Lior arc. So that, that was relevant. But so far, I haven't, other than Edwards taking the state alchemy exam and the introduction right. of Scar, I don't see anything that's really going to be lasting well, the to the main presence. Scar, we don't even we haven't seen Scar in the present, so we don't know that that's important. I'm assuming he will be though. Otherwise, why why bother? Right. Episode eight is called the Philosopher's Stone, and it starts kind of where we talked about in the alleyway where Edward and Alphonse have just found Nina Tucker's dead body, um, where she's mm-hmm. been exploded. 
and it's a very quick shot to establish, but Edward's doing something a little uh, a little confusing to me. Yeah, so we hear this uh, clapping sound effect, and then we see him slam his hands against the wall. Then he pulls back, and we hear the clapping sound effect again, and then he slams his head against the wall. It happens in that order. Um, so he is, wall, right? he is clapping and attempting to do clappy alchemy to bring Nina back to life, which he knows won't work because right. he tried it a year ago. On his mom, though. On his mother. But it didn't and it work didn't then. work then. It ripped his arm and leg away. So I don't know what he thinks is going to work differently this time. But now he has the state alchemist watch, which may be an amplifier. Just a thought. Which uh, may or may not be an amplifier. We don't know. But I think just fundamentally like, it won't work. And I'm pretty even sure Even in his darkest that. moments, this is something that he should know. This is something yeah. he should just know this doesn't work. Well, and to me, it's kind of a gross thing to really even have him try, I feel like. Like, I feel like it's... What's the opposite of sacred? I guess taboo. That's the word that most translations use. But like, it's a very like, it's a very bad, weird thing for him to try to do. Yeah, I I believe like sacrilegious would be like yeah the most. But I but don't that's kind of how I mean. Unconsecrated. I don't know. I really don't know. Um, but it definitely feels like something like that. So him to just do it and him to like spend that energy on something that he kn- knows won't work, knows is illegal, and knows created probably the most significant trauma mm-hmm. of his whole life it's very weird yeah it's a very weird uh, choice but we do see off to the side we see lieutenant colonel mustang and his adjutant second lieutenant reza hawkeye they're sitting in a car they're not out and about for the boys to see they're sitting in a car watching them off to the side just kind of creeping on them mm-hmm. um and we hear hawkeye basically say that if if a demon ever did something or if if there was ever a devil's work in the world this is it um, to which Mustang responds that they are human weapons. They kill and stain their hands with blood. They're no different than Tucker, no matter how you look at it. But Hawkeye says to that, this is the reasoning of an adult, but they're still children. Um, so here's the problem I have with that. One, Hawkeye knows that state alchemists kill people. She's in the military too. She, she knows what her job is, um, or she should. She should know what she's doing in the military. I'm a little dubious about that regarding this episode. But, you know. Also, this is a conversation they have in the manga, but it is not a conversation they have for one another's benefit. It is one that they have in Edward's presence with the knowledge that he is going to overhear them. It is a conversation that they have with one another for Edward's benefit. They're talking to one another, but they're definitely talking to Edward. Um, here though, they're talking to one another. And so it feels like they're just imparting information to one another that they already know instead of very roundabout imparting this information and this reasoning to a child who happens to be listening in on them. So I don't feel that this works here in this way. And also, I don't understand why they're sitting off to the side and looking at the boys like creeps. I don't get that. Well, they do, uh, or at least Mustang does get out of the car because Alphonse is kind of like, whoa, Edward, look. Yeah, and then Mustang's just there. Choose um, And he's, he's standing in the alleyway and he's framed in a very peculiar way. It, yeah. it's, he's, he's definitely like this looming figure at the front of this alleyway. Like, it looks like that shot you get when you're cornered by a murderer who's cornered, like in, in a video game or in a movie where the uh, murderer has cornered somebody in the alleyway. That is the framing of this. Yeah. And it's it very much feels like Roy Mustang is a bad guy in this scene. Well, and but... we were t- we were talking earlier with like, it's kind of hard to tell what Roy Mustang's supposed to be because he hasn't done anything. He that doesn't I would... have a personality. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
but he kind of starts chewing them out and he's like, you can't reconstruct a living thing. It is also raining, by the way. It is pouring down rain and he's just out there in the rain without an umbrella. The, the flame alchemist is just out there without an umbrella. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she's upset because he's confirmed useless in the rain. And a point is made every time it's raining that he's not going to be any good. Yeah. So for this show to just be like, well, here he is, and uh, it's raining. But he's kind of chewing the boys out, or especially Edward, for trying to bring Nina back to life. Because he's his feeling is that if you get hung up on this, you're not going to be able to pursue your goal of actually getting your body back. Don't right. you have something you're trying to accomplish? Aren't you wasting your time But the way here? he does this is he tells Edward, you can't reconstruct a living thing once its life has ended. Um Edward knows because yes. he already tried it, but he's still, Edward still gets mad about it. It's just like, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then he says, who would even want to revive a defective chimera? Which is like <laughs> mad insensitive, dude. Oh you yeah. Can't. Awful. <laughs> it's Absolutely a little girl. Awful. Um, but then he grabs Edward by the wrist mm. as he chews him out for, and basically tells him he's wasting his time being sad about this. Like, mm. which it's real domineering. It's dominant. Dominant. The slash pick writes itself here. Uh, uh, but then Thankfully, he, this tension is broken when, when Maze Hughes mm-hmm. arrives. He's with the investigations department. Which he, includes Fado Fallman, who right. apparently doesn't work for Roy Mustang in this universe. Quick disclaimer, guys. Full Metal Alchemist, the 2003 anime adaptation, is a work of fiction. Any parallels or similarities to characters and names and places in Arakawa's Full Metal Alchemist... Is entirely coincidental. That's that's the conclusion I'm arriving at. But that's how we're supposed to be looking at it. So you're absolutely you're absolutely <laughs> right in that they're not they're they're hardly even similar. They're not even uh, the same characters. We're done yeah. now. And a lot of our criticism does stem from differences with the manga, but it's I feel that it's justified because the manga is so much better. It's not like they're making a different I feel like it's justified because they're taking these characters and they're writing these characters not as the characters that Arakawa gave right. them. So they're, but, they're writing completely different characters. Just It's like they only wanted the character names and alchemy. And they wanted... And, and just do our own yeah. thing with it. But the, but the problem with that... Because, because it's not inherently a problem to do that. The problem with that is that their choices aren't as interesting. Yeah. So I do feel that it's legitimate criticism. Yeah. And I do think that we're doing a good job of actually patting them on the back when they do things that are good. It's just most of the time... They're not. But anyway, Maze Hughes comes in and and all the investigation squad. And then we are told that this doesn't appear to be the work of the serial killer that Maze and Mustang are hunting. And Edward runs away um, Mm. crying. He he does this a lot. He runs away a lot in this episode. And cries a lot, but mostly runs away. Um, And then we get our intro, in which Alphonse narrates our, our equivalent exchange bit. And then we get our theme song. And then after that, we cut to Ed sitting outside of a place and he yeah. is he is playing with his watch he's kind of flipping it open and closed mm-hmm. and he then looks, he looks like he's ruminating right and then he looks up all surprised and then the scene changes and now they're walking down a hallway with john havoc um, yes it's just it's, very choppy yeah. and i because understand there's no, yeah, yeah, yeah there's no logical connection to like what happened outside right when he was watching right, this. right so like i understand from the context of this next scene what happened? I understand right. that John Havoc came and got them, but the problem is that you really want to establish that within the scene in which Edward looks up. Otherwise, why have that scene at all? Yeah. Why not just open with them following John Havoc down a hallway? I agree. It's 
Well, because then you can't have the shot of Edward flicking his watch. Come on. Uh, uh, put uh, it somewhere else. It's not even really necessary, because Edward immediately tells us that he feels like he's going crazy, and he's really, like, caught up on this Nina thing. Right. He's, he's depressed, basically. Right. It's it's upsetting to me, because Arco is always so good at showing where you are, how we're, how we're going somewhere, how we're going to get there. Yeah. And here they ask you to do so much more work than you really should. Um... But yes, Edward is depressed. Luckily, though, they have a mission for him, and he is to take over Show Tucker's research. Right, and we learn this because Havoc brings them up. He opens these, like, two big iron doors, and it looks like the specimen room because it's got all Tucker's mm-hmm. chimeras in it and a lot of Tucker's research notes and stuff. But I thought that the specimen room was in the basement. Yeah. And I don't remember there being a big iron door on it either. Right. So are we in Tucker's house, or are we somewhere else? Have the things been moved? Or... Is each episode being handled by a separate team and they're not talking to each other? I do believe that we are in Tucker's house because we see a lot of personal effects in hallways that did like like books just lying okay. around that wouldn't be there in like a polished military yeah. headquarters yeah. area. I have to believe this is Tucker's house. I have to believe they forgot um, or uh, didn't come just... in with a floor plan of this place. However, you've talked many times about how incompetent the military is. So they this could may be leave, evidence. They could leave books just lying around. And boy, if I get to talk about it more in this episode. Um, but and Right now even. Because but the last why episode he, yeah. that we had, yeah, again, incompetent because the last episode we had, Edward literally got hit. Boscron literally smashed Edward over the head for trying to get into the research and everything, even after the whole thing with Nina went down. Yeah. And now it's his assignment? Yeah. So, like, wh- what happened here? And also, why is it being given by Havoc? who is one of Mustang's men, who is actually in charge of this research now? Has Boscron yeah. signed off on this? Why did he try to stop Edward at the end of last episode if he's signing off on this? Why is he signing off on this if he did hit Edward at the end of last episode? Because that's a little bit of loss of face yeah. for him. And then also, what the fuck is the chain of command here? Yeah, if, if anything, I would want some acknowledgement of Boscron's perspective where he's like, yeah, put the Elric kid on it. I really want to like whip him into shape or something. But yeah. We don't get that. It's yeah. just, it's very sudden. Their beats don't make sense or flow from one into the next. This is an incompetent-ass military. Whatever. But I but I would have assumed that they would have dumped Tucker's research. Yeah, well, Havoc explains to us that um, Tucker went about things the wrong way. But they still have some research that they could use. Like, he had some good ideas. He just went about it the wrong way. Which of his... He- which of his ideas were... So when I was in high school, there was a guy who, who in the in a hallway one day outside of the French classroom, came to me and was like, yeah, well, you know, Hitler had some good ideas. He just went about things the wrong way. And I'm like... He said this to What you? do you mean? He, <laughs> yeah, he, to me! Unprompted? It's weird. It's a weird It's a scene. crazy thing. But like, ever since then, whenever somebody comes at me with like... So-and-so had the right idea, just, you know, a bad execution. I'm always yeah. like, it, like, that's where my mind goes, is right back to that conversation outside the French classroom. And I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? Um, but then Edward's... Speaking of bad executions, <laughs> Edward says, Edward says, why don't you make Tucker take care of it? And Havoc's like, Tucker's dead. Yes, and then we so see... we find out what yeah. happened. And what happened was, in this order... There was a rocking horse outside of Tucker's, or maybe Tucker's house, that was rocking a little bit in the wind with no child on it. And then... We see Boss Grand order a a firing squad. 
to shoot a blindfolded Tucker. Yes, in another area. And then we cut back to the rocking horse, which starts to rock a little bit faster as the gunshots go off. Yeah. Um, which is so confusing to me because I'm like, is this Tucker's house? I don't so like think like so. the percussive noise or like shockwaves basically cause the rocking horse to move more. So I, they just take him out back and shoot him like old Geller. Like, I really don't what? know. Or, or is this a different place? Why is the rocking horse here? Why is it important? Because I don't think we've ever seen this rocking horse before. No. I think it's like the doll in Maj Hall's house, which is, oh, maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe there's like a motif of like murdery bad state alchemists who just have children's toys lying that around. Be... And we'll see that from now on. That would be so artless. Because I don't, because I like, I... <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing. I think it's hilarious but, to but, imagine but, that they have the uh, capacity to consider a motif. Yeah, because in both cases, it doesn't actually mean anything. It doesn't symbolize anything. Yeah. There's nothing connecting those two beats. No. Um, <laughs> uh, but Edward's kind of like, so you mean they covered up what happened with Nina? Yeah, you covered it up. Um, and then Avic's like, hey, <laughs> you pledge your loyalty to the military. That is the guiding principle of state alchemists. Which, of course, Jean Havoc, as a state alchemist would know what the, what the state, John Havoc's not, not a state alchemist. Yeah, Why not. is he delivering this? But then uh, he just leaves. But he also like, he's not saying it as like a, keep your shit in line and Mustang will take care of things, which is how I would expect a Havoc to deliver that line. Yeah. He actually believes that. He's like, hey, you're part of the military, so pledge your loyalty to the military. Yeah, it's, it's, it's bizarre. Weird, I don't, I don't know, who know who Havoc is. is here. I don't know this man. Never heard of him. But our next scene is in the specimen room yep. where Alphonse tells Ed that it looks like Tucker was researching the Philosopher's Stone to which Edward gives an enthusiastic. That's nice. So y'all remember when Edward asked Alphonse what he was moping about oh. after they killed Montal? <laughs> well, well, well. How the turntables. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty unfair of him to be like, what are you, what are you all sad about? And then here he's just like, He's feeding but one even of the Alphonse is now the one who's uh, like Ed, what's wrong? Like, like yeah. they didn't like a little girl didn't just die. But like, I feel like <laughs> Alphonse took that lesson from Edward and internalized it, and now he's just like, you're a big hypocrite. Well, uh, as but, we learn this episode, Alphonse may not have the capacity to feel upset whoa, about Nina. Whoa, you're skipping ahead. <laughs> um, uh, but, but then Alphonse decides to explain what a philosopher's stone can do. In case Edward and the whole audience forgot. And I'm pretty sure Edward does know what the Philosopher's Stone can do, even though yeah. this isn't flashback, because the very next beat is him throwing, like, a feedback at Alphonse's face right. and yelling at him that it's not real, it's a fairy tale, which implies to me that Edward has heard of the Philosopher's Stone and thinks it's not real. And that's that's it. So I this is this is really clunky. I understand they're trying to remind the audience what it is, but I'm like, this is so... This is so clunky that yeah. I, I can't, like can't I well, can't look past it. And, and in the in the like one apologetics I'll do for this production studio, Alphonse does try to legitimize it by saying if there's a state alchemist who's actually like looking into this, maybe it is real and maybe it is something we can look at. Right. But the bigger issue here is we know that three years from now they're hunting for a philosopher. Right. Stone. So we're gonna have they to want turn. To find one. Oh, that's nice. Into let's go to Lior and kill somebody. Like exactly. they have a let's long. Kill somebody. <laughs> well, let's go to Lior and just fuck kill somebody, somebody up. if we have to. Kill somebody if we must. But like they have, they have, they have a long, they have a yeah, lot of development lot. to do now. Yeah, big time. That they've set oh. up for themselves. So Edward runs away again after throwing the feedback at Alphonse. again. Yeah, gasp. Oh. And he runs to Mustang. 
and he ba- he basically tells Mustang that he doesn't want to do his assignment and he wants to help search for this for the for the person who killed Nina. Again, who assigned this to Edward? Because I thought Boss Grodd was in charge. Like I understand that that Boss yeah. Grodd technically outranks Mustang, so he is Mustang superior, but I have not seen any evidence that he is his direct superior, that Mustang reports directly to Boss Gron. Right. So I don't know why Mustang would be the one assigning this um, when Boss Gron was in charge. I don't know what the deal is. But also, Edward's out here acting like he can pick and choose what he does and like he can mouth off to Mustang. Yeah. Who do you think he is? Hawkeye? <laughs> Whatever. I, I do like it. I do like that Edward is kind of like... He doesn't have a great grasp on what his position is in the military, or he just says, I'm a kid, what are you going to do? Yeah. But it doesn't feel intentional. But Mustang here goes, well, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Like, if, if. If you don't want to do your assignment, you can quit. Yeah. And then Mustang, yeah, Mustang's like, okay, then quit. And Edward's like, okay. I quit. Like, (laughs) he does, he quits. Like, this is something Edward can just throw away so all that determination Uh, to get alphonse's body back that whole speech that he gave after the alchemy exam that whole insightful interview that he gave edward (laughs) sat in the chair okay like he did everything he did everything right he expressed determination and said i'm not gonna give up no matter what obstacles come my way first obstacle comes up and he's out like (laughs) it's 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 so crazy not even just that but like for three or four episodes our whole thing was is he going to be able to become a state alchemist and then he did it and it was great for one episode yeah and now he quits yeah why did you but we also know he's a state alchemist in the future so there's no stakes to his quitting yeah because he there's no risk here and so I don't know why this is even happening because I don't give a shit because I know right. he's going to get back in at some point. So oh I'm just kind of like, okay. Like it's not <gasps> shocking to me. It's not a big twist because I know in three years he's he's still a state alchemist. Well, now we have the question of like, how does he become a state alchemist again? So maybe, maybe he gets like forced back into it or maybe they, maybe they do something interesting with it. Drag him kicking and screaming. Um, uh, bad news though. But yeah, so... <laughs> Our next scene, we uh, we are outside of Central Headquarters. Yeah. Um, basically, Edward picks up Alphonse and they start walking together. I actually think they do a really nice shot here of them like walking down the steps because you see Edward and he's a liberal pouty boy in a flashy red jacket, and you mm-hmm. see like the big suit of armor behind him talk trying to talk him down. It it feels oh, and you see the people in like the military uniforms behind them. It feels very like Full Metal Alchemist. Mm-hmm. Like if I were to Google it, that's the kind of the. Or if I were to just think of it in my head, oh yeah, Alphonse oh, yeah. like walking behind Edward while Edward pouts, and you see the people in the military uniforms. That's what would appear. But we also see a refrigerated truck in the background, which is yes. going to become important later. Um, Alphonse, while they're in this scene, is yelling at Edward, not yelling, but like impassionedly speaking to Edward and saying, yeah. "But we're alchemists. We're not meant to beat up bad guys." Catching criminals isn't something we do. Which, um, I have two problems with this. First, um, of, first all, of all, that's something you've already done three times. Yes. With Majhald, Bald, and Show Tucker. But also, the whole reason that I'm watching the show in the first place is to watch Alchemist beat up bad guys. <laughs> I feel like that's the promise you made me by, well, <laughs> by no. giving me a shonen anime. The promise anime. they've made us is that alchemy causes problems and violence, violence solves them. But violence is usually beating up the bad guys. Yes, the bad guys who are alchemists. But then Edward 
runs away. Yeah. Uh, he he From runs Alphonse, away. <laughs> which? Why? Why do they hate Alphonse? This is also the third time this episode he's run away. Why do they hate Alphonse? But also, I think they would have split them up so they could be like, look, they can hold their own. But Alphonse spends the entire no, arc don't. on his own being yeah. pretty stupid. Um, they've never, they've, they've never done that. I know. But then we see Edward on the street, and while he's walking down the street, mm-hmm. he runs into Scar. Um, yes. And they recognize each other, and they're like, yeah. oh my gosh, you're that guy. Um, the guy and, from the library, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but Scar, oh my god, exciting. Scar got a new shirt. <laughs> That's exciting for you. Yes, because Edward ripped his shirt, okay? Yes. He destroyed his shirt, so either Scar mended it, or got a brand new shirt that looks the exact same with the exact same wear and tear. Maybe with reinforced shoulders this time. Reinforced shoulders, yeah. So it won't maybe some slightest tug, yeah. <laughs> uh, but Scar's like, okay, you were at the library. Are you a state alchemist? And Edward shoves his hand in his pockets and it's like, I was, <laughs> but not anymore. And then uh, Scar's like, okay, bye. Yeah, he, you're well, better off that way. He, he says you're better off that way, but right. he's pretty, well, very much just like, oh, okay, well, you're not a state alchemist right now as we're talking we're good then we don't have any beef you can go on your way <laughs> <laughs> that is kind of weird because so like, what if he meant like what if mustang quit or yeah. what, he finds mustang and mustang's like i just put in my two weeks yeah i know <laughs> is he gonna be like oh well that's okay well I that's you, okay I then you i guess you're not a state alchemist today <laughs> yeah hilarious <laughs> i have to be on the clock yeah <laughs> I don't know if you have to be on the clock, but I do believe in Scar's standards uh, for for being a state alchemist and being destroyed for being a state alchemist. You have to be actively enlisted. You have to be active personnel at that's, the time. That's an interesting outlook for Scar. But really now I don't know what Scar's like standards are for who yeah. he's going to kill. Is yeah. he, it, so far he's only killed Nina. <laughs> Children and active state and then alchemists. He was like, only. Then the first time he's like, "There's a state alchemist." He's like, "Are you state alchemist?" The kid's like, "No, not right like, now, right, not today." Next time. Uh, well, oh, he, well, yeah, he walks off and because he cause, because he tells him you're better off that way. He's like, "Yeah, you're better off that way." If you don't want to be destroyed by this arm, and then he pulls down his sleeve to show off the tattoos, which is like a mad sick, like cool thing. If you're in, like, a super campy comic book universe. This is not a super campy comic book universe. They're really trying hard to be dark and edgy. So this is just stupid. This is, like, monster truck cool. Yeah, it's it's stupid here. Um, But our next scene, every time we have watched and rewatched this episode, I've, like, let out a squeal of joy over this scene because it's the best scene I've ever seen in this episode. But basically, we get to Central Train Station... And uh, uh, somebody gets off the train, and it's Winry. Woo! Ah! Um, she is here to visit the boys. Yes. I love her outfit. Yes. She has got this white dress and pink jacket combo going on. She's got this whacking good hat on her head. She is living her best life. I love this journey for her. Yes. I'm, I'm so excited that Winry is here. It's very I love exciting. Winry. I um, love Winry. Yes, and I and, and I was more excited to see her than I expected to be. I'm really pumped. Uh, Winry's great. Uh, but this, this this scene only serves to introduce that she's here to congratulate them and visit. Uh, yeah, we're immediately whisked away to what a place. We, what we at first thought was a cloister, but what we later saw was actually 
uh, the front steps of military yes, headquarters. Yes, very just... top of the front steps of military headquarters, right underneath the flag, in between two yeah. columns. Where, where everybody can see in here. Where everyone can see in here, where Alphonse and Hawkeye are having a secret meeting. Yeah. In broad-ass daylight, in plain sight of everybody. But he's asking her about the Philosopher's Stone, which is... Which well, is... he says, excuse me... Lieutenant Hawkeye, and she goes, oh, no, it's okay. But I don't know anything about the Philosopher's Stone. So, like, we skip a whole yeah. chunk of yeah, dialogue. Yeah. Which which they've done before in the train episode when they were getting information from Fallman. I hate but it. it. It's I really, really don't like it. Uh, but they, but they like, excuse it with, like, a cut in, like, the camera angle so they can be like, well, some time passed, you just didn't see it. Yeah. But I, but I hate it. I don't like it. Or... Alphonse has been running around around Central Headquarters asking everybody he sees, yeah. do you know about the Philosopher's Stone? Hey, do you know about the Philosopher's Stone? Do you know about the Philosopher's Stone? Which makes yeah. a lot more sense. But I don't think he's allowed inside Headquarters. Well, especially not since his brother quit. <laughs> well, you would think so. And Edward is just told, he's, he's quit in front of Mustang, and he has just confirmed in his scene with Scar that he quit. Yes. Edward quit. But, because we'll get back to Edward momentarily, but... Uh, Hawkeye basically tells Alphonse that she wouldn't worry about the Philosopher's Stone, uh, or she wouldn't pursue it. She's like, you're better off not going after it. Um, she's not very, like, nice about it. Uh, Hawkeye's not very, like, gentle with children. Or gentle in general in this. This Hawkeye, though. Yeah, yeah this Hawkeye. Is, normally this Hawkeye. Normal kids. Hawkeye is, like, very kind to children. Yeah, in fact, in the manga, she is explicitly called kind. One of the things that I, I remember when I was... In a show, I can't remember what show it was, but the director basically told us when you're analyzing um, a script and you're looking to see who a character is that you're about to play, you look for three things. You look for what the character says about themselves, what other characters say about your character, and what the playwright says about your character. Hawkeye is explicitly described by Roy Mustang as kind. And, and and gentle. Like, yeah. he, he says she gives off more of a brusque exterior on first acquaintance, but she really is extremely kind and gentle. Yeah. Um, and but here she's, she's just, just brusque. She's just brusque. Here, yeah. But uh, we see someone kind of sneak up behind them, behind Alphonse, and kind of, like, cup their ear to listen on their conversation. It's Pura Bradley. Yes, he's listening. And, like, him, like, being kind of performative and goofy about it, that makes sense, and that lines up with the Bradley that we know. But, but nobody sees him do this. Uh, yes, they do, Langdon. They're at the very top of the steps and broad as daylight. You can see them from the road. I have no reason to assume anybody can see him do this. Least of all, uh, Hawkeye and Alphonse. Because by the time Alphonse kind of stepped out of the way, he straightened up. Um, yeah. And, and I'm fine with him being goofy. And I actually, I, I told you, I really like the way that he's scripted in this episode. But as far as him being like silly and performative... In the manga, that is performative. But it's it is also performative off. here, Langdon, because, again, they're in broad-ass daylight in front of Central Headquarters where everyone can see. It's for the whole Look, city's benefit that he's doing if this. If you say so. But, the, <laughs> but, but even then, weirder, Alphonse doesn't know who yeah, it is. Yeah, Alphonse is like, who's this guy? And then Hawkeye says that it's Fear Bradley. So, like, here's the problems I have with that. Um, One, um... Has Alphonse never seen a newspaper before? A newspaper? They were in the same room. They were in the same room for the same office exam. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Did no one be like, hey, all rise for fear of Bradley as he like walked into the room? 
Or, like, did a whole train of guys walk in when they said, all rise for fear of Bradley? And Alphonse Alphonse just like, like, I I guess it's one of them. I wonder which one it is. I know it's not Roy Mustang. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's it. That's what happened now. Um, (laughs) But also, like, well, and you said newspaper, but, like, wouldn't they have pictures and like, in like yeah, and like their schoolhouses. School yeah. yeah, this is a military police state. And like they definitely have a leader of their country in their schoolhouse. And this this might be like a stupid thing, but I also assume because he has an eye patch. If, like, if, pre- yeah, if I knew that the Fuhrer of my country wore an eye patch, yeah. every time I saw someone with an eye patch, I'd be like, is that him? Oh yeah, if I knew the President of the United States yeah. had an eye patch every time that he was walking down the sidewalk, I'd be like, right. Joe! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, well, and, could you, like, an eye patch is a very uncommon thing. It seems a little more common in this universe because Bald has one, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but still, well, maybe maybe if we did that, then Alphonse would have to be like, is Bald the Fuhrer? <laughs> Um, but you said you liked the way that Bradley is, is scripted in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's very nice. Um, and he, he, he treats Alphonse like a kid. Yeah, he asks that, him yeah. what he wants with it. And in response, Alphonse why, yeah, why he wants the Philosopher's Stone. eats his entire shoe. He sticks his whole foot in his <laughs> mouth and says, I want it for human trip. I mean, to retrieve something my brother lost. Which is just crazy. Hey, why that- are you, why are you buying a gun? Oh, uh, I just need to, <laughs> I just need to kill my wife. I am sorry. Hunting. I need it for hunting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That is a perfect example. Um, that's, this is like the one thing he's not supposed to tell people. This is their biggest secret and he's so loose with it. Oh, the, the crazy. Second, the second Someone he's put under him. a microscope. Oh my god. Oh my god. He fucking folds. Um, but Bradley does treat him like a child and is like, hmm, well, you know, a lot of people believe in it. And even now, <laughs> the military, we hear a lot of rumors about alchemists creating philosopher's yeah. stones. But somebody... Probably a state alchemist would be the only person who could access any information on it. I mean, you'd you'd have to be a state alchemist to get to it. So mm. yeah, um, it's kind of like an adult talking about like Santa Claus with a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the intention here very obviously feels like I want your brother back, back. in the military. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna tempt you with this information that you want. The only way you can get it is to have him reenlist because he quit. so Bradley obviously knows that he quit. Yes, because because he did quit. Um. But um, then Alphonse yeah. leaves, and Hawkeye asks Fuhrer Bradley. She looks oh Fuhrer God. Bradley dead in the face and says, Fuhrer, why would you eavesdrop on something like that? Come on. that That's how, that's how okay. you get show Tucker. <laughs> <laughs> dead. She's getting sent away to re-education. She is never coming back. What? I am, oh my God. Like, as as if the Fuhrer doesn't hold her entire life and career in his hands like a fragile little baby bird. Okay, I don't want to be the girl who tells other women to know their place, but goddamn bitch, know your place, yeah. read your handbook. You cannot talk to him that way. Yeah, it's th- insane. Oh my God, this is an incompetent military. I feel like what happened was they saw her kind of nagging on must like like yeah. ragging on mustang what? a little bit in the manga and we're like oh she's just that way with all superior officers but no, no. she's that way with mustang because yeah. he explicitly hired her to do that right. it's it's not like she job wants description. not like she wants to bang bradley <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh. But also, there's there's no reason for all these for these three characters to be in a room together. Oh my god! Yeah. Well, well, well. well first of all, what is Bradley? Before we talk about the scene as oh, a whole, yeah. uh, but Bradley says uh, in response to why would you eavesdrop on something that, <laughs> like that uh, that it's good for kids to pursue their dreams. Mm-hmm. So so again, I think that's very very nice, Bradley. I think that he sees yeah. a kid and is like, okay, kid, this is how you talk to a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is how you um, engage with a child. And but again, this. This, yeah, the scene itself doesn't make a lot of sense. No, it doesn't. There's no reason for Alphonse and Hawkeye to be in a scene together because they've, because they've never, never met, shared a scene Never before. spoken. No, no. Um, there's, I see no reason for Hawkeye and the Fuhrer to have a conversation. I see no reason. First of all, part of this this bit where Alphonse doesn't know who the Fuhrer is, I understand they feel like they need to reintroduce him for the audience and maybe that's where it comes from, but that could have been so easily handled by the Fuhrer appearing Hawkeye snapping to attention and saying, yeah. Fear Bradley, sir. Yeah. And Alphonse being like, Oh, huh, huh, and yeah. like kind of doing the same because he doesn't know how to behave in front of the Fuhrer. Like, I feel like that would have been yeah. such a more him interesting not, introduction. Him not knowing how to behave is so different from him not knowing, knowing who, who he, he is. is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Th- th- it just or, doesn't make any sense. And I, I know that the, like those kind of like, scenes per episode per character or like if those quotas exist has as we believe been just running around central asking everybody (laughs) you know about the philosopher's stone if he's just kind of sitting outside and bradley approaches him it's just like hey buddy yeah what's going on and alphonse confides in him as the big grown-up not really knowing who he is if they really want to keep that i guess and then as fear walks away someone could be like oh fear bradley sir and like yeah. then that's kind of resolved and Alphonse is like, What? That was the fear I think that could have been an interesting beat, but whatever, they didn't call me when they were writing this. The next scene, uh keep in mind that Edward quit. Uh we are in the military canteen where Edward, who quit, is sitting yeah. down with a tray full of food and eating. Um, so first of all, Edward quit. And there's really no second of all. Um, they they shouldn't serve him because he quit. That's it. The end. Get him out of here. He's done. But he's sitting at a table by well, himself. He's, he's a freeloader. He's a. He'll take a you're free right. meal if he can get you're it. You're right. Um, but he's sitting by a table at him by. He's sitting at a table by himself, like the cafeteria loser. Yeah. Probably because he quit. And he's Mays flipping Hughes, through like a notebook. Right. And Maze Hughes is behind him showing off his baby photos to, mm-hmm. not his baby photos, but but his daughter's his baby photos. His own baby photos. His own baby photos. Look how cute I was. I'm just putting his head on a baby's body. <laughs> uh. Hilarious. Alphonse, one year old. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, if you guys don't read the full manga with the like backup stuff, oof, you're missing you're out. You're missing out. You're missing out on Alphonse, one year old. Oh my god. Uh, anyways. But Hughes kind of jumps in in front of Edward and like starts stealing food off his tray and shoving baby pictures in his face, his own baby pictures in Edward's <laughs> no. face. Hughes is showing his daughter's baby photos behind him and then he jumps into Edward's face. And I really like this beat because yeah, yeah. it's very much like, okay, I don't really know how to engage on this child's level, but I can force him to engage on right. my level. But I also think that he sees him and he's like, oh, here's, here's a kid alone. Yeah. Let me make sure that he's okay. Yes, it's a really sweet Maze Hughes beat. Yeah. Um, and Hughes, though, has apparently been giving Edward, who quit, uh, classified <laughs> yeah. information about the serial killer. Um, Which we've never seen happen. Yeah, so I don't know, first of all, why he's been doing this, because Edward quit. Um, but also, I don't know why we haven't seen it. 
Um, and they're also just talking in public in the middle of this cafeteria at a normal volume. Like, it's totally fine. Like, nobody in this whole country knows how to have or when to have secret conversations. They just all do it where everybody can hear. And I have to assume this is a secret classified conversation. Well, he, they're talking about the fact that he is giving Edward classified information, from which the is very illegal. Department, like, from, from the department, I would expect to have the highest security clearance. Yeah. Um, and, and it's not like you can't have a secret conversation in a mess hall in Full Metal Alchemist. Yeah, no. Roy and Riza absolutely have... That's Mustang and Hawkeye absolutely have a a full-on secret conversation in a mess hall in, in Full Metal Alchemist, but they do the entire thing in code. Yeah. So it's... it's I don't know. But after <laughs> this, Edward is like, well, you do owe me two favors. Oh, one right! One for the train mm. and one for the baby. Oh! First of all... <laughs> Edward followed Hughes' plan on the train, and I guess he did save him from balls, but I'm going to consider that payback for the fact that Hughes caught him when he almost fell off the train to his death. So I think they're pretty even Steven on that one. I think Um, so. And then also, Edward didn't do shit during Alicia's delivery. Well, he did make water hot again. Okay, but Maze is the one who actually got the doctor who was implied to have done the actual delivery. And also, Ed quit. So Hughes doesn't owe Ed shit. Yeah, I, I don't get. I this. don't know where these two favors come in. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't know where where Edward gets off here. But basically, they talk about the case a little bit. Um, and the big issue is that the serial killer is cutting uh, his victim women up. But by the time investigations get there, the body is already like mad mangled, and they they're having trouble figuring out how he's getting this done so fast. So Edward suggests that he kills them in one place and then dumps them somewhere else. Diane was trying to say that that was obvious. Um, and the, the, the investigations department would have thought of that. But Maze Hughes' next line, I'm pretty sure, is that they have thought of that. Yeah, they have thought of the... Th- yeah, they, they have but, thought of the fact that, yes, there's a primary killing site and a secondary dumping site. So now they check the trunk of every car that comes into Central. And I'm, that's not a joke. That's what he says. Every single car. Yep. Um, and so so there's, they, they still haven't caught the guy, though. Um, and Hughes says, well, maybe it's an alchemist. To which Edwards screams... Alchemists aren't murderers. So, counterpoint, um, every state alchemist that we have met thus far mm-hmm. definitely killed people. Yep. Um, in uh, Mustang killed people in, in Ishval. Um, Show Tucker... Um, Just killed Nina Well, a he didn't kill ago. her, but he uh, totally dehumanized her. Yeah. Um, well, Maj when... Hall kills people. Yep, for sure. Um, Dread straight up kill a Maj Hall oh. by flicking <laughs> is a murderer. Except Alphonse. <laughs> Except for Alphonse. Yeah, Alphonse is just circumstantial to a lot of these things. Yeah. But like, this is this is the bit where we get into show don't tell. So like, this is what I think show don't tell means is that you can tell me something in your narrative, but you have to substantiate it. Yeah. And I, I really need the evidence to be there. And so if you tell me something, but you're showing me a different thing, I am always going to believe what you've shown me and yep. believe that in your telling me, you're just establishing an unreliable narrator. Right, or that so, a character doesn't know what they're talking about. Right. Yeah. I will always believe visible evidence before I believe hearsay. Come yeah. on now. Uh, but Hughes is basically like, eh. 
And Edward calms down. Yeah, he um, shrugs. Um, but then a person comes to get Ed because somebody is waiting for him at the headquarters reception desk. Um, again, Ed quit. Yeah, I would have liked it more if they were like, excuse me, sir, uh, either put on these handcuffs or get out of our mess hall. Yeah, it would have been so much more fun. Um, but then we get a cut into the kitchen of this yeah. mess hall where a pretty lady in a green dress is carrying a delivery bag. She comes in and the chef is like hitting on her hard. Yeah, he thinks she's very cute. Yes, um, and he asks her about the state alchemist well, she, exam. No, she asks him. Oh, sorry. Yes. Yeah. Because, yeah, she starts probing him about the state alchemist exams. And he's kind of like, yeah, yeah, there's even a 12-year-old who passed this year. Uh, he can do alchemy without a transmutation circle. He just in fact, claps his hands and there it is. Yep. Oh my gosh, theory goes now. Um, and and again, we see Edward walking out. Yeah, Edward, who, uh, this is true, quit. Sorry, haters. But the chef then tells the woman in the green dress to make sure that she doesn't get killed. I heard there's a serial killer out and there. And she asks for further info about the serial killer and what they're all saying about the serial killer with a creepy look. So you definitely, like, it's definitely getting the vibe of the serial killer who calls into the police station to get them talking about yeah. him on the news more because he gets off on it. So, like, they definitely want you to think that she's the serial killer. But I also think it's weird that he would, like, joke about it. Yeah. That's kind of fucked up. Uh, yeah. Anyways, outside of Central Headquarters, we see uh, the food truck that we talked about earlier, the refrigerated truck, um, mm-hmm. and it says Barry's Food Shop. Um, yes. Winry is sitting on the steps, and she sees the truck, and she's kind of like, oh my god. It's a refrigerated she's, truck. Yeah. She's, she's fidgeting yes. with, like, a screw, but then the truck catches her attention, because uh, she's a mechanic, and she loves, like, taking things apart, and she mm-hmm. wants to take the truck she apart. She wants to know how everything works yeah. mechanically. Yeah, and this is new tech. She's mm-hmm. like, Central has the nicest cars I want yeah. to take this motherfucker apart. Yeah. And the woman appears and, um, well, also, Winry, it is noted, is not at the central headquarters reception desk like Edward was told in the cafeteria. Person, She's outside on the steps waiting, which personally I think is because they kicked her out of the reception area due to the fact that nobody by the name of Edward Elric works at military headquarters because, True. again, Edward quit. Um, but the guy, this... the guy does say he told her to wait out there, but that might feed into your theory. He might be like, "Yeah, you can't stay in here because, because nobody quit. works here." So please just get your ass. You on gotta the steps. get, you gotta leave. Because but... that's where Alphonse has to wait too, because he's not part of the military. Okay, uh, but this lady appears and she says that it's it's her truck, but Winry can take a look inside if she wants. And then as Winry is looking at it. Um, bent over the camera kind of follows her and it's super weird and I hate it it follows her for a minute and you get her entire like upper body plus head in shot as she's bent over and then she straightens up but the camera doesn't straighten up with her so it only looks at her from the shoulders down to her waist it looks at her with her chest dead center and then all of a sudden the camera after a couple beats snaps up to her face I get what they were going for. I get that they were trying to be like, yes, this serial killer is sizing her up to kill her. Yeah. But it feels very male gazy in an extremely pedophilic way. I hate it. It's it's pretty gross. Oh my god, wait. How old is she here? Is she twelve? Yikes. So we get our commercial break after that. Um and after the commercial break we come back to out front. Winry is yep. missing. We know she is missing because her suitcase and jacket and hat are just hanging out on the steps, but we don't Edward is coming out to to see who was waiting for him and yep. he doesn't notice any of that. Instead, he notices at the very bottom of the steps a screw that Winry dropped like some sort of Hansel and Gretel bitch. Uh, he looks at it like this screw and then he compares I know it, this screw. Yeah, he compares it with the screws in his in his metal hand and he's like Winry? It's a screw. The guard appropriately says, who? It's a screw. Yeah. 
Oh. It's just, are we supposed to believe that there's no other mechanical object in the city? That there's no other person with auto mail? That, that nothing else in this country uses screws? Yeah. It's it's a screw. Also, though, we've never seen Winry actually working on auto mail. Yeah, we've it, only seen Pinnacle working on auto mail. So this actually is a higher chance of being Pinnacle's screw, in which case everything's fine. Case closed. Pinnacle can take care of herself. <laughs> I... It's, we're you, good. You're right, though. You're right. But though. Edward um, figures it out. He well, has a well, brain because blast. The guy says that there was, like, a refrigerated truck parked there. So Edward draws all these threads together. He's like, this is Winry. She was kidnapped. A yeah. refrigerated truck would be a great way to cut up a body and then drop it off. Right. For once, the, they are actually taking us along with Ed's thought process. Yeah, they actually do a, a quick, like, flashback. Yes. A it's, brain blast. It's, it's quite nice. Um, but... I'm I'm baffled because nobody in this military apparently has posited that it could be a refrigerated truck. They've only been looking in the trunks of, of cars, but not in like packing trucks that are big enough to transport a body. I don't know. Yeah. This is an incompetent ass military. Human but then Edward is huge in a mistress. Edward, wait for it, runs away. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um but also like where is Alphonse this whole time? Why don't they trust and love Alphonse? I don't know. I don't know. But then we cut uh, to Edward having found the refrigerated truck. I don't like this. I feel like they really missed some opportunity to have like a fun chase scene where Edward is chasing down these. They're first of all tire treads that he has followed, Um, which drives me crazy because if there are tire treads here, then that means that there are probably going to be tire treads at these dumping sites. And nobody in the military was like, hmm, let's follow those tire treads and see if they lead back to where the murderer came from. And, like, yeah. that's what's nuts to me. But Edward fires these, follows these tire treads. They could have had a really fun sequence of him following these, going through traffic, transmuting bridges to get over yeah. cars in order to follow these tire tracks, dodging out of the way, using alchemy to push cars out of his way. It could have been really neat. We don't have that journey. Whatever. He arrives at, like, a slaughterhouse. Um, and he goes inside, and it look it, there's, like, a lot of pigs Yeah, this is not there. a kosher butcher. No, but it's also a huge, huge, huge operation. There's yes, dozens, so if not hundreds. so many pigs. Of pigs. Which you have to get them out of there, I assume, like, that day. You have to get them much. out pretty quickly, because meat spoils pretty fast if it's not treated appropriately. Um, and so this has to be a very large operation, and Barry must have... Barry's food shop must have a huge distribution. Right. Lots of clientele. This is nitpicking, but it is Bizarre. it is weird. It's it's hard to really justify oh, yeah. the rest of oh, yeah. what goes on. Edward finds the woman in the green dress and she's actually like cowered in a corner and she's like, There's another woman here, we were kidnapped, blah 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 blah. Edward's like, It's gonna be fine, I'm gonna get you out of here. And then she stands up, she bonks him over the head with a bat. Yes. When Edward comes to, the woman is kind of sharpening a knife. Oh, excuse you. The man. Oh no. Um, the woman is actually a man who has been disguising himself as a woman in order to hurt women. So this definitely falls into the uh men will pretend to be women and assault them trope that is mm. so transphobic. Uh this whole episode was written by anti bathroom conservative assholes. But they also wrote most of the series. You're gonna have to take Great. But this man also took off Edward's arm, the auto male arm, because he heard that Edward can do alchemy without a transmutation circle if he can clap his hands together. Yeah. Um, this man is Barry the Chopper. Yes. Uh, he's he's kind of a handsome, thin man, um, but he's got Winry. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Um, he's got Winry chained up from a meat oh, hook. Oh, and you know, you've seen movies where, like, girls have their arms chained above their heads and they're dangling from hooks and, like, moving back and forth and they're on their tippy toes as they, like, writhe while chained up. Yeah, it's that. Yeah, but she's, she's like, wide-eyed, teary-eyed, tiny pupils. She's scared to death, which obviously... Um, and he's like, I'm gonna make a work of art no, this, this is little like, girl. It's, but this is, it is like fetishy. It's awful. It's, it's so really awful. bad. And it's a really horrible, like, disservice to Winry. Yeah, because this is her first introduction. Yeah. This, this is like, it. As a kid, or especially like as a Hot Topic kid, I can see how I would watch a show like this and be like, oh yeah, this is sick, this is cool. But as a grown-up, you see it and you're just kind of like, what are you guys doing? Yeah, who thought this was okay? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's so It's weird. gross. Mm-mm, um, mm-mm. That's why the show is a feminist icon. Um, but mm. Barry starts taunting Ed. He slices him and yeah, tells him his him whole life him. story. Um, and his life story is that first he killed his wife in a petty argument. And he accidentally killed her. She fell onto his knife ten Oopsie. times. Um, but it was so nice that he just wanted to start cutting up people more and more neatly. But he also does it real dark and sexy and breathy. Not like, I just like chopping them up. Ha ha! But that's what I liked about... Barry's one of my favorite characters in Fullmetal Alchemist. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, top five. Okay. Top five. You know what? We like who we like. Because he's so funny and he's so like not actually a threat at all. Nobody takes him like seriously. The sca- oh yeah, C- uh, commissioned officers don't take Barry the Chopper yeah. seriously in the manga. When when he's working he briefly with, with them, yeah, yeah. But he's teamed up briefly with Mustang and his team. Mustang's like, ah, put him on the phones. He's fine. Like, it's, but it, it bugs me so because he's so so funny. He's obviously a comedy character, and yeah. here he's like a scary horror character. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's oh, oh yeah. I, I don't I don't get how that was better. I don't either. But Ed is very scared and he's fidgeting. And then Barry leans in and tells him that people yearn to kill each other. Mm -hmm. And war is an easy excuse to kill people. Yes, state alchemists do it. But as Edward is protesting, he is also wiggling the screw out of his pocket and scratching a transmutation circle into his chain. Which I understand is like a super tropey moment where someone's like pulling the lockpicking set out of their pocket. But it works for me. It's still fine. Um, and then he transmutes his chains into a staff and Barry brings down his knife on the chair. We get some really nice fear from Edward in this moment. Yeah. This is, there's like, there's a whole fight scene. Um, and part of, uh, so Edward starts running away. He's got the staff. He's only got one arm. Um, as Barry chases him, he like slices through a whole side of pig. Like, yeah, just, just effortlessly cleaves whole ass it. pig. Terrifying. Um, um, but then Edward like sees him coming and he kicks up, and then Barry's knife, like, clangs against his shoe. Yeah, it's his, it's his auto male leg. Right. And we had to go back and check that it's his That it was actually leg. his left leg. Because I, I forget that he has, I forget that he has an auto male leg a lot. Right. Um, and because we haven't seen it for a while. Because in this, we don't see it a lot. We don't see it a lot in 03. Yeah. We see it a lot in the manga. Arakawa never lets you forget it. But it's, we don't see it a lot here, okay. and I hate that. But, but I remember when we, because we had to go back for it, because we were watching it, and we were just like, if that knife can slice through a pig. Why can't it slice through his shoe? Those what, are the new Yeezys? Yeah, what the hell is this kid wearing? <laughs> um, but no, it's his, it's his metal leg. Um, yeah. Um, but uh, then we... It, the, the problem, though, is that if you don't pause to make sure that it's his left leg, you're left a little bit confused. Yeah. Well, and so, you have to know that he has an automatic leg to begin with. Right. Um, but then we get our run and fight in the warehouse. We see Edward. Yeah. He tries to free Winry. He... Can't manage it in time, but, yeah, but he, does he does get his arm back. Yes. 
Um, and while he's running away from Barry, he falls. Running away. He loses the, the staff at one point. Uh, he trips on a pig, and Barry's not near him, so he uses the opportunity to reattach his metal arm. And actually, the, the way that it's illustrated, I guess, um, and the way that it snaps in and the sound effect and everything. It's really good. It's like it, it a looks big, like, it hurts like bad. playing and sound screams. effect. He screams. Yeah. Um, well, and it, you see it, Winry react to the scream, and she's very, like, scared. I don't think she yeah. knows what happened. No. But it, it it jolts you as an audience member to watch this it's happen. Good. It just lets you know it, it this hurts. Is, this is, like, the first fight scene they've shown us, I think. Yeah, this is show. literally, like, the um, first time we've actually seen the action of a fight scene. Yeah, but, but it's fun. It is fun. It's very fun. Barry continues chopping, and then Winry is now on a stool, or a chair, or a table, or something, Presumably she climbed up onto this because her arms are a little bit more relaxed and she's right. trying to like get them off. But the problem is that we didn't see her climb up on there. Yeah. So it just kind of looks like she's on a chair now. And she definitely didn't start there. She definitely no. didn't walk. Like, no. Uh, yeah. Um, but Edward having both hands is now able to do a transmutation on his metal arm. So he has kind of the knife slash shield thing that he uses a lot. Yeah. Um, and so he's blocking a lot of berries like slashes, but he's not blocking super well because he is getting cut on his other arm. Yes, Winry falls off her chair and knocks into a pig that kind of goes careening down uh, through through the warehouse and knocks into Barry, and that causes Barry to fall. And then Edward knocks Barry's knife away, and he's about to stab him when we see Alphonse's gauntlet hand come out and grab Ed's arm. And yeah. Edward turns around and takes a swipe at Alphonse in kind of like a panic. Yep. But, which I get, I understand that, yeah, but yeah. then Alphonse says something that I don't get, which is, it'll take a lot more than that to kill me. What? I, I don't know. I Cause, don't know. Because um, the thing Well, it feels this... kind of like Scar's arm reveal, where it's like, this is supposed to be like a full splash page with right. like a sick one-liner. But it feels like the scene was written where Barry tries to slash mm. at Alphonse, and Alphonse delivers that sick one-liner. But instead, it's to his own brother. Yeah. Which, like, in this moment, you would be... Instead, expect Alphonse to say something more like, Ed, it's me. You're okay. Yeah. We're here. Yeah. Like, instead of, well, Ed, you know, it's gonna take a lot more than that to kill me. Idiot. Bitch. Idiot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh... But Al Alphonse is there, and he's brought the cavalry in the form of Maze Hughes in the investigations department. Um, yeah. They kind of rush in to capture Barry. Barry's kind of, he's not, he's not too bothered by this. He gives, he gives a little shrug. Yeah. It's the same shrug that Maze Hughes no. did in the canteen, which leads me to believe they are drawing a parallel between Barry and Maze Hughes. There is a motif with children's toys and crazy alchemists, and there is um, also a parallel between Maze and Barry the Chopper that we will hopefully see come to fruition. I'd like to advise everybody to file that under Diane's conspiracy theory. It is not an opinion. It's extremely involved. That is supported At by this point, the show it has a evolved whole. a little bit further. But Edward's kind of upset and he really thought that he was going to die, and he explains that to Alphonse, which I he they also did a good explains job it, to, showing it. Yeah, I th that's my point. Is they did a really good job showing it, and he also explains it in the very next scene. Um, and yeah. the next scene is kind of like the denouement that they've been doing, the wrap up that they've been doing in most of their episodes lately, uh, which is at the very end. You kind of have like that scene that summarizes it. Everybody gets yeah, their yeah, lessons. Yeah. Um, and it's never at the very end. They usually have a couple scenes afterwards to kind of set things up moving forward. But but anyways, um, Alphonse narrates, and he kind of tells us that Barry the Chopper uh, catching him is Edward's first big achievement as a state alchemist. That's kind of what he gets known for. Edward is still depressed. Yes. And or depressed Alphonse, again. Well, <laughs> Alphonse tells him that the philosophers actually might exist, but Edward yep. needs to be a state alchemist to find out. Yeah, he's and trying then, to get him back into the game. And then Alphonse says, 
I don't have a body, so I can't really feel the terror you felt. What? As if he wasn't can't. trembling with glee a couple right. episodes ago at the <laughs> yes. thought of having been a baby at one time. But, like, he gets mad and stuff, too, and he feels happy. He's passionate about, yeah. like... It was totally within my, like, suspension of disbelief to accept that Alphonse can feel things. Oh, absolutely. He can sleep in this anime. (laughs) He can feel things. I expect him to be able to feel things. And so, like, I get it. I get that emotion is a physiological response. I understand that it's hormones that cause various reactions within the body. I get that. But in the manga, even that is actually, like, a it's plot relevant right. that, that Alphonse he, that he can, can feel, feel. Yeah. because Edward uses that as kind of this launch point to create a theory that if Alphonse can still feel emotion, then that means that Alphonse's body is still out there somewhere producing these hormones and producing these physiological reactions. Yeah. And so I, anyway, it's, I don't know what the rules are per usual. What are the rules? But but even, like, not that I ever had a question of whether or not Alphonse can feel, but when I watch something with a character like that, like, it, like when I watch Star Wars, I expect R2-D2 to feel yeah. just, just as, like, something I'll give them as part of a fantasy universe. It's, it's weird to me. Yeah. They felt that they had to be like, you know, I can't feel. You got me. I sure can sleep, though, under a blanket. <laughs> Um, I, I feel cold sometimes, but I don't <laughs> feel terror. I feel glee, um, but I don't feel terror. So after this, Edward delivers a pretty a speech that he basically delivers in all iterations of of this of this series, yeah. which is um, where he's talking about how alchemists are are neither gods nor are they devils; they're only humans. And he's talking about how he was very scared; he didn't think anyone would save him. Uh, first, I think that this scene or this speech is wholly misplaced because yeah. in the manga, it is in response to not being able to save Nina. Here, it's in response to not being able to save himself. Yeah. It, so well, it feels it's like, a little bit more more selfish. Like, it's not born out of empathy entirely. Like, Nina's still an all. undercurrent here, but it is this yeah. near-death experience that really triggered it for him. Yeah. And but so, also, he won this battle. Like, he, he got out safe. Yeah. Yeah. It's... But also, the other problem that I have is that, um... In three years, he's going to walk into Lior and tell Rosé that he's the closest damn thing to a god she's ever mm, going to encounter in her yeah. life. So they have got now to get from, I'm not, I'm just human, to, no, actually, I'm pretty fucking godlike and yeah, awesome. I'm the which, closest thing to a god you'll find. And in the manga, so this is why it doesn't work in flashback, because in the manga, this doesn't take place in flashback. This takes place after the Lior arc, and yeah. is a very important moment in edward's character arc where he goes from being no i'm the coolest shit like you've ever seen to at the very end when he tells what is essentially the god of their universe i've always been just a normal person it's this very important moment in ed's character arc of, of learning humility um it's an humbling experience for him and here they've they're trying to what this tells me is that they're going to have to now play this journey in reverse yeah and show me how he gets from here to i'm hot shit in a champagne glass yeah uh 
well, who knows how much more flashback they have before that. So, so there's a very good chance that they But Winry is off to the side, and she is crying. She's got, yep. like, you know, the, the Law and Order blanket around her shoulders. She's standing yeah, with yeah. Riza Hawkeye, who's got her hands on Winry's shoulders, presumably <laughs> to go force her to confront her it. trauma again. <laughs> Just like she did to that kid uh, last yeah. episode? Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's where I'm coming from. <laughs> I, don't, I don't trust this Hawkeye to understand how children work. No. No. Also, this is uh, the worst day of Winry's life. Yeah. I'm trying to think of, like, Winry before grew up in Raisin Bull and learned about auto mail from her grandma. Well, there was a day her parents died, but I still feel like this is kind of worse. This is the worst day of her life. Yeah. Because she, cause she's alone. Like, yeah. she totally, from the moment she was kidnapped, she totally should have been like, okay, well, I'm dead now. So, I'm, like, trying to think, if, if on my first day in Shanghai... I had been kidnapped and strung oh up in a meat butchery. I would have been on the first oh plane God. back. Instead, I stayed there for three years. So obviously, yeah. I didn't get kidnapped on my first day in Shanghai. Or at least, at the very least, you didn't get strung up on a meat hook. Yes, I wasn't strung up on a meat hook. I was mildly kidnapped. Though. <laughs> <laughs> um, importantly, because uh, we have to know how is Edward going to become a state alchemist again. Well, he goes to Roy and says, I'm a state alchemist again. Yeah. <laughs> And Mustang is just kind of like, okay. So I don't, I'm so confused. So this is a new scene. We're in Mustang's office now. I'm so confused by this because I need to know, did Mustang like not file Edward's resignation? Did he order Hawkeye not to? Because he just pulls out Edward's paper that has his title yeah. on. It's like, oh, here's your title, by the way. So I'm like, this is, but this is a scene that Arakal would have given us if, if yeah. Mustang had chosen not to file Ed's paperwork. He would have had him look at Hawkeye and go, don't turn that into human resources. He's coming back. And, I don't feel and like it would have been a, it would have been a good beat for him. It would have been a good character beat, and we haven't had a good Roy Mustang character beat yet. So I don't know. No, I don't think they understand who he is. I don't. I don't leave any scenes with Roy Mustang. Like I don't even get why I'm supposed to like Roy Mustang. He's boring. He's so. They keep telling me I need to like him. Just in but the they're way not they giving it, yeah. me reasons. They're not showing me anything likable about him. They're just showing me an extremely boring, flat character that I don't care about. But which even, is so offensive to me. Yeah. Even if we'd had. Even if we had this scene where Mustang tells Hawkeye not to follow, not to file the resignation. That Edward been still eats in the but yeah, he still eats Edward in the still thinks that he quit. <laughs> like even if Edward didn't official, even if the resignation was un, not officially filed with HR, Edward has no reason to believe that it wasn't. Yeah, he still quits. But whatever, Edward, he's walking whatever. around HQ like he's the fucking Fuhrer. What I hate him so much. Yeah. But um, in return for Edward's coming back, um, Edward is like, "All right, I'll come back." But you have to tell, or you have to let me go research the philosopher's stone on my own time. Which, doy, I don't go to, I don't go to job interviews. Like, hey, I also do like comedy in the evenings. Is that going to be a problem? Yes. Right. If it messes with your job, it will be a problem. Right. But in return, Roy Mustang's response is yes. But I want information about the philosopher's stone, which is kind of like your boss in response to you saying. All right, you can do comedy in your off time, but only if you invite me to the next improv night. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, basically, it does feel like that. Um, because again, they don't even know if the philosopher's stone is real right now. No. So it's I, I guess I guess it's it's weird to me that kids would be like, yeah, it's a fairy tale, but actual like alchemists, actual scientists, researchers would be like, yeah, but maybe. It's a little bit like dark matter, you know? Where, like, if you hear about dark matter and you don't know shit about physics, you'll probably be like, that's 
that's not real. Dark matter like freaks me the fuck out. But like, <laughs> if, if you hear of, or not dark matter, sorry, antimatter. I mean, either or is fine. Uh, yeah, but yeah. Wait, no. the dark matter is easier for you to accept than antimatter? They're both scary as fuck. They're neither of the, well, dark matter is scary, but anti, I don't think antimatter is scary. It's just backwards. I, the dark matter is horrifying for me. Dark matter, sure. Yeah, dark matter is so horrifying for me. So, like, but if I understood physics more, like, as as a, it probably wouldn't be as scary. But, like, if I had heard (laughs) about it as a fifth grader, I would have been like, that's not real. But, like, as an adult who's done some physics research, I can be like, that's real. And I'm not fucking touching it. Yeah. Get it away from me. (laughs) Um, But then Mustang decides to threaten Edward and be like, ah, yes, but, you know, you your brother doesn't have a body and you try the human transmutation. That's what I'll tell everybody if you don't stay in line. Yeah. And, like, I hate this. I hate this so much because this moment does happen in the manga. But it's it is, so different. It is so different because it's in response to Edward noticing that Mustang doesn't really harbor any loyalty to the Fuhrer and maybe yeah. plotting a little bit of treason in his downtime. And Edward's like, light treason. oh, I think, uh, I think he, yes, a little <laughs> bit of light treason in his downtime. And must and Edward's like, oh, I think, I think you might be a plotting some criminal activity. And Mustang's like, you have dirt plotting? on me, little child. Sit down. Your dirt is speculative. Yeah. My proof is your brother's entire missing body. <laughs> yeah. You you fuck with me, I will end your entire life. Yeah. And so it's he's this, basically like, you'll go to jail, and Alphonse will go to a laboratory. Yeah, but it's it's this moment where in the manga they are they are keeping each other in line through mutual threats, disdain, and grudging respect. It's frenemies. It's, frenemies. it's yes. fun. And here he's literally just trying to keep Edward in check. It's mean. It's authoritarian rather than a you mess with me, I'll end your whole life thing because Edward doesn't even like react to it. He just looks real sad. And so like it's just straight up mean. I can ruin you. I control you. I own you now because you did a felony. Like it's a little abusive. Well, like you said, the slash pick writes itself. Ugh. But then he does give him his title, and it's a document with basically Laura Mipsum gibberish, which you I, hate. I, it, bo- it bothers me. It's just lazy. Um, it I, is. I don't get it. I don't. I don't get why you wouldn't just write the document when you can. It is a little bit of a downer, especially after the incredible letter that Edward wrote to Winry. Right. Right. Which though. made my entire day. I. I. They could have tried. I guess. Yeah. I do like, though, that in the first line, Bradley uses the royal we. That's fun for me. Um, I do think it's interesting that they use thy, thee, and thou when we know that thy, thee, and thou are informal pronouns. But... That might be a translation thing, though. Anyway, Edward then says that uh, he likes it. Well, it's, it's, it's good. The title, Full Metal. Yes, yes. He likes the title, Full Metal. He thinks it's a good title. It has a certain edginess to it, but he does not look... Happy. He does not look like he likes it at all, or well, like he thinks stay, it's good. He's got to stay edgy himself. Yeah, he just, he's just he's frowning. He looks angry about it. That's why I said hot topic kid earlier. <laughs> yeah, um, but then we get our cut. We get a cut to somewhere in the city where Winry yep. has bounced back from her trauma. Yeah. really fast. She didn't even go to therapy. No, she just, she just figured <laughs> that out that evening. Yeah, she's telling she's processed. It. <laughs> But she's telling Edward that he has to buy her candy to celebrate. To celebrate what? Her lasting trauma. Dude. Um, but then she tells him that I fixed your arm, didn't I? Like, was there something wrong with it? I don't think so. After he reattached it, it, it seemed, seemed to, to be fine. working. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. But um, 
Alvin yeah. tells Edward, again, in case the audience forgot from the top of this episode, right. that the serial killer had fuck all to do with Nina. But I'm thinking back because they, they did say that at the top of the episode, but that's also Edward quit because he wanted to catch the serial killer because he thought the serial killer might have killed Nina. Right? No, I think he just thought it was interesting. I don't know. <laughs> interesting. I don't know. because Yeah. But okay, he, now he, that you say it, that is weird. Because I don't know otherwise he, why he would be going through all this research. He specifically requests to look into the serial killer, right? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember if he was and explaining that's, that. Yeah, and uh, Hughes is funneling him information about the serial killer. I think he thinks that Nina died by the serial killer. Even though it's explicitly stated at the top that it wasn't the serial killer. Yeah, yeah. But then Brilliant. we see that Scar is hiding in an alleyway and he sees yes. them and he sees the state alchemist watch in Edward's pocket and he kind of realizes then that Edward is, is once again a state alchemist yeah. so he's back on his blacklist. Um, and then he turns away and he pushes his glasses up and then we get our credits. Which are back to normal this time. Yes. No more pictures of uh, Nina and Alexander and the poop face is back to normal. <laughs> God. So, Langdon, let's talk about takeaways. Oh, man. Number um, one, thank fucking dude. God for Romy Park. She is crushing it. Dude, she's she is she's the voice actor for Edward, and she is amazing. She's so good. She, she is so good. Well, and so, so, I think as we were watching it, we were like, it is not the voice actor's fault. No, it's not the voice actor's fault. They're poop. wonderful. It's the script's fault. Yeah, but they're totally they're scripted. killing it, especially Romy Park, and she kills it in Brotherhood too. She's amazing. But she's, speaking of the script awesome. be, being poop, um, this is our second episode that's not based on manga content. It's a wholly original plot, and it's bad. It's <laughs> mostly original because a lot of the beats it pulls are from like the Lab Five arc. If I would you argue. want, and Barry the, is too. The beat of Barry the Chopper existing is pulled from the Lab. But five also arc. the beat of Edward like being afraid that he's gonna die, right? Sure, yeah. Oh, yeah, because in the Lab 5 arc, in the mind, this is, that is the first time that Edward is like, oh, shit, I'm actually going to die. Um, but you, It's the first time you're afraid for Edward as the audience. But but you said in a conversation separately that they're going to do the Lab 5 arc anyway? Yes, they are. So what, so what are they going to do? I don't know. Um, I feel like you do know and you just don't want to tell me. I don't know. I don't remember enough, and I'm scared of what I do remember. Um, so, But I, I guess... I guess my big issue with this episode is why can the show not be funny? I don't like, know. Thinking, talking about how edgy it is and like how like how gross they do Winry, like why is it like this? Why isn't it I funny? I don't know. I really don't know. Um, they we still have a lot of questions that have not been answered. Like mm-hmm. why do birds go pop? Yes. Um, what do we mean by Leor as a decoy? Yes. Where are the mountains from the opening credits? Well, the first fir- the first two questions those are pre flash. Or post flash, I don't know. They're in the they're in the present. Yeah, so, but I'm hoping that like these big questions oh, yeah, they've yeah, introduced yeah. will come up in this flashback, and that'll be the purpose for having all of this nonsense be a well, flashback. Keep hoping. Um, what was the rat balloon noise from Lodge Hall's house? What <laughs> <laughs> what is equivalent exchange exactly? Because they have had no consistency in equivalent exchange thus far. Yeah, yeah. And how did that change for them? Because um, they always say that that's the way they thought the world was. So we're gonna talk about Mustang. This is your conspiracy about Mustang. Yes, right? this, this is Mustang. Okay, guys. The, okay. <laughs> this is a conspiracy theory. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Disclaimer. But go, go my, on. my so previously I was believing that um, Envy was Roy Mustang. My theory has since changed. 
Um, my theory now is that because Roy Mustang in this episode comes to Edward and tells him you can't bring back somebody who has died with alchemy. Mm -hmm. My theory now is that Roy Mustang himself attempted a human transmutation. And in the process of that, he lost his entire personality. And that is what he lost in the rebound. And instead, John Havoc is actually Envy pretending to be Jean Havoc. Actually, and that's why Jean Havoc is telling off his superior officer, Edward Elric, and why Jean Havoc knows so much about the state alchemist program because he's not actually Jean Havoc. It's Envy. This is actually a deeply self-aware and satirical anime about Full Metal Alchemist. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so, uh, but this this... Oh God! There's so much we have to say about one big flaw the so, show so, has. Yeah, so that well, that's how your conspiracy theory has changed based on. Yeah, that that's episode. that's the conspiracy but theory right now. Let's let's move on. I think one of the big issues that we're dealing with is that the show has an expectation of prior engagement. Yeah, so it so expects you to know things about characters or relationships that it yeah. hasn't shown you. Yeah, we're expected to know about this very sweet, gentle relationship between Alphonse and Hawkeye. We're expected yeah. to know about Winry's being an auto male mechanic. Right. They're they're giving a lot of people the wrong scenes because they feel like we already know who they are. Which... That, that's definitely the impression we're getting at least. Yeah. Like... So like if they need a scene with Hawkeye, they should give her one with Mustang in yeah. which they don't file the resignation paperwork. Like why give her one with Alphonse when we're still fleshing out who Hawkeye and Mustang are together? Right. Well, and then they could have done this, the scene where uh, Bradley tells Alphonse about the Philosopher's Stone in the way that you talked about earlier. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it, silly. It's... Oh, uh, gosh. But I'm I'm really mad, especially about this prior engagement with Winry, because... With everybody. With everybody. Uh, because this is our first real introduction to Winry. Oh, Winry specifically. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And this is it. It's, it's 2003, yeah. and we're treating our women like this? 2003. Um, but, but, no, but you're absolutely right. Like, just because it was 2003 doesn't mean we can excuse it. And... Speaking of things we can't excuse, let's talk a little bit about trans issues. Yeah, you 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 got, uh, you've got a better insight here than I do. So but. it's it's one of my one of my friends in in Japan is is trans, um, and she and I have had conversations about trans issues in Japan. Um, I'm not a trans person, so I can't speak to the trans experience, but I do know a little bit about the issues surrounding it. Um, and one of the important things going on in Japan is, is with relation to whether or not, Japan has always had a culture that's very, that's kind of played with gender and played with being transgender and, and play with gender fluidity. Um, it, it has a very long history of that, but more recently in the more modern era trans issues have been very invisible in japan and there's especially under the abe administration there's been a lot of one step forward two step back uh two steps backs kind of Mm. things going on so in 2019 we saw two major developments in trans issues um one of which was a woman who had a long-standing court case with 
her workplace because her boss continued to tell her that if she didn't get a full sex change, if she didn't go through actual gender reassignment surgery, then she should just go back to being a man. And the women were uncomfortable whenever she would come into the bathroom because they felt like she was pretending to be a woman to take advantage of them. And she won this court case in which the judge in Tokyo said that she doesn't need to have gender reassignment surgery. She should use the bathroom that is assigned to her preferred gender. At the same time, the Japanese Supreme Court also passed a ruling that said you can only get your gender changed on your ID if you have gender reassignment surgery, but you can also only have gender reassignment surgery if you're of a certain age, have no children under the age of 20, and also if you are sterilized before you go through gender reassignment surgery. What? And so a lot of, and that's the only way that you can legally recognize your preferred gender you have to get sterilized you have to get sterilized and and when my when my friend was telling me about this i was like she she was like yeah they're they're forcing us to get sterilized i was like oh my god uh, that's got to be a translation issue that i'm having in my brain and then i looked it up and no that's that's literally what's happening is forced sterilization of trans people in japan by law um, wow. it's, but it, there's definitely in Japan, this extant trope of men dressing up as women for the purpose of assaulting women. And it's a trope that is played for a very long time in a lot of media. Well, Alfred Hitchcock too, yeah. used it in, in Psycho. It's been used in Law and Order. It has been used in a lot of media and, and oftentimes with even so-and-so was a transsexual they would dress up as a woman in order to um kill whatever threatened the masculinity of the like it's it's very bizarre it's a trope that is played out a million times it's disgusting and this definitely because it's not not true it's not real you did you did the research into it right and you were like this this isn't an actual thing this isn't a thing that happens and it's certainly not something that has it happened like once or twice Sure. Yeah, but once or twice is not a pattern. Right. There is but not a pattern like... of this existing. This is not a pattern that's happening. This is a trope. This is a yeah. stereotype. It is a disgusting stereotype. And this show plays into that disgusting stereotype. It relies on that trope. Were they attempting very intentionally to make this statement about trans people? Were they attempting very intentionally to say that men will dress up and pretend to be women in order to assault other women? Probably not. I don't think they so. They still, it's definitely still comes from that place yeah. of bias and it is still, it, it still deserves to be called out in the same way that the manga actually deserves to be called out because there is a very effeminate male character in there who basically comes on to Edward and Alphonse for a little bit and makes kind of a predatory remark on them. As a joke. And it's, but even still, as a joke, it plays into a, a, a standing stereotype of homosexual men preying on young boys and that that is still something that deserves to be called out whether it is intentionally making because this is also a good character in the yeah. manga this is a character who is a good like a guy good per- yeah who on, is the, a on the side mentor. of the angels yeah he, he is a mentor to the angels even and so this this it's not intentionally driven that way it is still rooted in that bias. It is still mm-hmm. rooted in that trope, and it still needs to be called out. And this needs to be called out. 
Right, and I think the I think maybe the weirdest thing about it is that Barry pretending to be a woman for all of the six minutes that he it does doesn't it, have to happen. It doesn't have to happen at all. No, because it's completely useless. Right, I would believe that a chef would tell a man the information that the chef tells Barry. Sure, and I would even believe that Winry would get into. A stranger's refrigerated truck. Anybody could kidnap Winry if they had a refrigerated truck. Exactly. It, it's just not necessary. And it's very, no. it's very odd. No. Um, so what are you excited for going forward? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely. Um, I'm excited for Scar because, come on, he's a cool, <laughs> he's a cool character. And they've shown us in this episode that they, that they can actually do a battle scene. Yeah. So I'm excited for that. Um, I am excited for us to get out of flashback. Uh, <laughs> I did look. On, like, the Wikipedia. You spoiled uh, it for yourself? No, no, no. I just wanted to see when the flashback would over. Oh my God. Be, be over. And it's going to be over very, very soon, actually. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> yes, I, I agree with you. I went from but, disgusted like, to happy in one second. <laughs> very soon. It, it's going to be over. Um, 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 I am excited because I have rewritten the show up until this point. Not the whole thing. Starting with episode five, so after Maj Hall. Um, so you just said Maj Hall can't be saved. Maj Hall... I, I, Maj Hall deserves its own episode of a rewrite because I am going to release this rewrite in a micro episode coming up very soon. Fun. Maj Hall deserves its own because there's, there's a lot to fix there. Um, but we, we talk a lot on this, on this podcast about the fact that some of these mistakes they're making are easy fixes. Yeah. And so what I want to do is come in and show, no, this is how we can keep these beats that they really want to hit yeah. and well, make I them think, easy fixes. I think that's important. I think if you went back much farther than episode five, you would start be, you would start to have to attack some of the mechanical decisions they're making to sure. actually move their story forward. Sure, but I want to take like the beats that they're doing, the setups they're trying to achieve, and show just how they can play those beats better, give them better pacing, appropriate weight. Still in flashback? Still in flashback. I will let them have that. I'm going to let them have a lot of things, and you may be be very surprised because there are a lot of things that I disagree with that I'm letting them keep. Um, Um, I think next episode is use well, is what it looked like from the from the next time on except for there's like a a wind witch okay i'm excited Uh, to see yoki he's a he's a goomba (laughs) he's 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 the mario like initial villain you jump on his head and he's dead i love i love him i think he's hilarious and it's an important story or it's a relevant story for things that happen later in the standard manga Mm -hmm. full alchemist so we'll see but they they skip it in brotherhood and they kind of redo it really quickly later to better effect, though, I find. I, I think it's... Well, they, I, don't, I don't know yet. They That's kind of... I don't think they really... It needed its own episode because it's such a short one and done that you can... Yeah. You can get it out of the way in half an episode, and I don't yeah. think they wanted to do that. So instead, they figured out a way to splice it in very quickly in a very funny, creative way. Yeah. I, I haven't seen it as a full episode, so I'm excited to see it as a full episode. Yeah. Um, uh, I am excited for characters to be interesting. I don't know. I don't know if we're going to get that. But we'll find out next time on Diane and Langdon. (laughs) We'll see you for the mini episode that is going to be dropping midway between this one and the next one.